What's up? Good morning, Musonomics. Um, you know you're getting old when you... Hold on, I'm going to adjust this microphone a little bit. You know you're getting old when you don't even need an alarm clock anymore. You just wake up and you're like, well, I know it's still pitch black outside, so I know I beat my alarm. Um, and sure enough, it's like 5.30. 5.30. You know you're old when 5.30 is sleeping in. So the I got a 7 USB connector thing for the trusty MacBook. And so the plug and pray microphone that I talked about last time with all the USB stuff is uh, actually, it's constantly plugged in now. And so far I haven't had any issues with it, which is kind of nice. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I do uh, just give random audio listens to each episode to see how the audio is going. And I feel like in Singing in the Rain, when they transitioned from the text-based silent movie to the talkies, I think they called them, you know, and they had all of the audio challenges. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. And like, um, he... Gene Kelly runs in and throws his staff and it like clanks off the floor. And, and then every time she turns her head, the audio goes away. That's how I feel trying to get my mind, trying to improve the audio of the Muthanomics podcast. So last week when I listened, there was the, I, I can't do the mouse pad on the desk while I am uh, podcasting because it's just this annoying clanking in the background. And oddly enough, my mouse pad still hasn't shown up. Um, I ordered it from the mouse pad company, which my one of our sons recommended to me. Um, but they were so backordered, it said it could take 30 to 60 days. So um, it still hasn't showed up. So we'll see. And until then, I, I can't really use the mouse while I am uh, podcasting. Otherwise, it'll clunk around. Uh, there was also a lot of clunking with my coffee mug uh, being on the hard surface. So I've now put it on a very soft coaster to try to eliminate that. Um, so any 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 goosing that I do for newbies around here at the Muthanomics podcast, goosing is duck duck going it. This is a jumbo cup of coffee. I can already tell that the last half of this thing is going to be lukewarm and disgusting because it's just too big. 5.55. I like it when, when you look at the clock and the times when the numbers all match. It's like you hit the the slot machine jackpot of that hour. <laughs> That'd be cool if every time you looked at your phone and it was 5.55 or 2.22, bells rang and whistles started blowing and like coins just started cascading from the sky. Mega winner! Jackpot! I think it would be funny. It could also be a sign of the fact that it's a Saturday morning and I slept in quote unquote until 5.30. Um, if you head over to Instagram, I posted the first BookBeat Beverage episode of 2021 
uh, looking at the book Irreversible Damage. If you hear sound in the background, it's our chihuahua uh, milling about early in the morning. She's currently crunching her kibbles and bits. She's pattering her feet all around the hardwood floor. She's sniffing in corners. Um, she reminds me of a little deer. She's shaking her fur. Like the way her body is shaped. She's like half Yorgi. Half Yorgi or half Corky? I think half Yorgi, half Chihuahua. Some mutt we found rescued at the pound uh, out of the damaged goods wing. Um, but she, she's shaped like a mini deer. <laughs> she cracks me up. She's a lunatic. Um, but anyway, if you head over to uh, Instagram.com slash What are you talking about? I just used the app. Okay, so then open up the search bar and just type in bmuth and you can find the latest book beat beverage episode where I go over a book called Irreversible Damage. Um, And it's subtitled Target Bandit, so I bought it. And I may have mentioned this briefly before, but last fall Target banned a book called Irreversible Damage. And... It is an author who her curiosity was piqued by the huge percentage rise in the U.S. and the U.K. as it related to young girls wanting to transition um, to present as male, even though their chromosomes are distinctly female. So, given the statistically significant increase among young girls wanting to transition, she decided to set out and interview people. So the book primarily consists of her interviews with parents of young girls who transitioned. Then she interviews people who transitioned. And then she interviews people who transitioned and later regretted it severely, hence irreversible damage. The point of the BookBeat Beverage episode is to get across the idea that we should be intellectually curious. You know, if you go on to Target's website or Amazon, where I don't order from, or or Goodreads, the reviews are inevitably divided like our cultural cultural dialogue is divided. It's either a five-star review giving it glowing praise or a one-star review saying, if I could give it zero stars, I could. If you read this, you're a bigot. If you read this, you're Hitler. Um, and I'm just not buying the dogma de jour that the cultural police are trying to sell us. They're not even trying to sell it anymore. You know, at some point, the cultural police were like bad used car salesmen where you'd kind of be like, all right, bro. Like, I know there's oatmeal in the engine. I know there's sawdust in the transmission. Um, yeah, I'm not buying it. But now now it's, it's they're trying to, they kind of got us in a headlock in the back alley and Scott Farkas is trying to like shove it down our throats. And the point of covering the book on the Book Beat Beverage episode is to say, let's stop living under such strict dogma and let's be intellectually curious. Why can't a Wall Street Journal author see statistics that are 
wildly above what they used to be and ask the question, huh, I wonder why that is. And then go about exploring and trying to find out why that is. Like, I have no problem with that. Um, and as I say in the, the actual a Triple B episode, Book B Beverage Triple B, um, I found myself sympathizing with all three groups. I, I felt sympathy for the parents who felt that their children had made a mistake by transitioning. I sympathized with the group of people who transitioned and were claiming that they had found peace and finally felt like they had found themselves. Um, and I greatly sympathized with those who had transitioned and then later come to regret it. What I didn't mention in the Book Beat Beverage episode, because the point of that particular episode was to encourage intellectual curiosity and to resist, encourage resisting dogma de jour. For those of you not acquainted with French, as I am, <laughs> de jour is of the day. Um, so dogma, the dogma of the day. Uh, that was the point. What I, so what I didn't mention in that episode is the group that I did not sympathize with and the group that I actually felt disdain for um, and the group that I actually felt was participating in harm. And if I can uh, reach back to the Bible, if that's still permitted, the evildoers um, were the group, was the group, were the group, I don't know, this is a run-on sentence galore, so the uh, exact grammatical structure might be the lug nuts are loosening. But the group that I felt disdain for were the, was the, were the uh, people who were driving this agenda and recruiting, allegedly, via online forums and official educational structures, school districts, and individual elementary and middle schools, recruiting people at a very young age to not only expose them to the dogma of transgenderism, but then to encourage it, to not only encourage it, but to secretly encourage it, absent keeping the parents informed and abreast of what they are communicating to their children. That to me is appalling. And I think the author would share some of those feelings. Um, and I, I think the author's sentiment, if I, if, I, if I read her correctly, and I mean, she's welcome to listen to this and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the author's sentiment is that she sympathizes with the three main groups that she interviews, but she, she like, likewise feels disdain and frustration for the 
transgender dogma police that are specifically calculatedly targeting young girls uh, to cause them to consider obtaining the ultimate goal, at least with the ultimate goal now of currently of what the transgender movement is for young girls, which is top surgery. In other words, a mastectomy, a double mastectomy, cutting off your breasts. Hence the irreversible damage part of it. Once you cut off a body part, it's very hard to graft it back on. And in many cases, um, it would be impossible. So that group of people I did not sympathize with. That group of people I felt uh, I felt intellectual disdain for. Um, and as as with any anyone who's pushing a dogma that is questionable, and I even mentioned in the in the book B beverage episode, you know, it reminds me log- the logical structure of it and the argumentative structure of it reminds me a lot of the Church of Scientology with the Leah Ramini Rebembi. I still don't know how to pronounce her. You know what? Let's figure that out right now. Oh, yay. Money coming in. When you run a small business and you, you make sure you set up your sales notifications because it's like dopamine. It's like crack cocaine for the entrepreneur. Ding! Oh, I got another one. Um, Leah Re... Oh, wait. There it was. Come back. Rumini. Leah Rumini. Yeah, so it reminds me a lot of the dogma of the Scientology movement, you know, where you have people who come out of that movement and the leaders, they demonize anybody who questions their official authority, their official narrative. Um, and to me, we, we can uh, currently in this culture, we are permitted to look at the Church of Scientology or some other very restrictive, exclusive religion. And we can listen to the people pushing the dogma. We can listen to to true believers, so to speak. And we can listen to those who came out of that movement and who are best case scenario disenfranchised, worst case scenario, really, really damaged by it. And we're permitted to listen to all the camps and draw our own conclusions. But with this transgenderism, that's becoming less and less permitted. At least the official narrative is trying to make it less and less permitted. And if I haven't already shown my cards, I'll lay them on the table right now. Muthanomics podcast is having nothing to do with that. Go pound sand with your stupid official dogma that is in incredibly restrictive um yeah just go pound sand in fact this week i need to put the product on my site the official go pound sand the the quarter pounder the sand pounder just gonna be a pound of sand with a mallet (laughs) and when you have a discussion with someone who is a dogmaite um some some fool pushing blind dogma just pass over the sand just say here here you go here's a mallet with a pound of sand have fun because talking to a dogmaite uh, a dogma dolt 
is equivalent. You'd be more. It'd be more productive for you to just sit there and watch them pick up the mallet and pound the bag of sand than it would be to try to have a rational conversation with them. So, um, if you're pushing a dogma du jour, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for you. In fact, I have zero. Yeah, I mean, not zero. I got maybe a tenth of a percent of some sympathy for you. Um, but the higher you go up in being in a quote-unquote leadership and or influence role, uh, that tenth of a percent is going to decline pretty stinking quickly. So muthanomics is having none of the dogma du jour nonsense. Be intellectually curious. Listen to people. Draw conclusions. Um, and and I, I think the reason that I've... I have no sympathy. I have a tenth of a percent of sympathy for the people pushing the particular transgender dogma to young girls is that they sit there and they scream science. And then you bring up the topic of chromosomes and then all of a sudden chromosomes are part of the patriarchy and part of the uh, misogynistic evil whatever. And I'm like, yeah, just here. Here you go. Here's here's a bag of sand and a mallet. Have fun. Um, so yeah, it's 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 hard for me. It's just I mean, it's the same. It's it for me. So personally, um, I believe um, for me, it's it's very similar to seeing the underbelly of the evangelical world in America, and like Leah Remini, who saw the underbelly of Scientology and was repulsed by many parts of it. I too saw the underbelly of evangelicalism and was repulsed by it. I mean, when you see people, and not just a, not an outlier here and there, but when you begin to see that, that the backbone of the system is to enrich pastors on the back of the widow's might, yeah, you get kind of a pukey, a pukey, barfy feeling, and you're like, ugh, this repulses me. So I can sympathize with the people who attend church, the congregants who are trying to find purpose and trying to find some meaning and trying to seek the Lord. Um, I can sympathize even with the underlings in an evangelical structure who are feeling a call to serve people or feeling a call to, you know, show love to their community so they work at a church to try to help people. Um, I can sympathize with those groups. I can even sympathize with those that have been burned by a church and left and said, hey, this something smells fishy here. Um, but the people that I can't sympathize with, that I have a tenth of a percent or less sympathy for, are the leaders of the evangelical system who are the ones profiting from the widow's might. I mean, I'm telling you, for, for seven, eight years watching the system enrich itself off of the widow's tithe um, is disgusting. So for me, the transgenderism dogma is very similar to, in my experience, the evangelical dogma. Um, and I would also say, as I've said, I think it's similar to the the Church of Scientology dogma. So if you want to read it, 
I'd pick it up. I mean, the only reason I read it, as I said in the Book of Beat Beverage episode, is Target banned it, so I bought it. I mean, if you haven't figured out that I'm a contrarian yet, then you haven't been listening very closely. So I had no interest in even reading about it. I was like, I didn't even know the book existed until <laughs> until it was on the headlines that Target banned it. And I was like, sweet, go woke, go broke, Target. Um, probably not, but you ban something, it piques my curiosity. Um, and that's really, I think, what we're living through. I thought we were supposed to have apolitical spaces. Um, that's really what we're living through is the, you know, it's in digital format. And I've already talked about that, the digital book burning. Um, but, you know, if you don't allow your intellect to succumb to the uh, dogma police, the pressure that the dogma police put on you, the dogma dolts. I'm not even going to call them dogma police. That's giving them too much credit. They're dogma dolts. And if you don't know what the word dolt means, go to DuckDuckGo and goose it. <laughs> um, so you say potato, I think a Dan Quayle. Yeah, I was talking to somebody this week. They're like, well, you say potato, I say potato. I was like, no, you say potato and I think a Dan Quayle. Like this whole thing of like, um, you say potato, I say potato is, I think the Whopper's better than a Big Mac. I mean, that that's where that discussion, that's where that phrase applies. It doesn't apply when you're talking about, uh, well, the chromosomes clearly are defined science. The chromosomes are settled science. They're settled biology. Well, you say potato, I say potato. No. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, immutable fact of gravity. Well, you say potato, I say potato. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, you say potato, I think of Dan Quayle. When he spelled it wrong, I think he added an E. Man, you must really be old if you can remember the 42nd, 41st? 40th, 41st, vice president, Bush 41. Who knows? My, my presidential numbering is a little askew because I don't really have it in my memory banks. Um, but I do want to stop at this point in time and give a shout out to um, the gentleman last night at the restaurant. I took uh, my our youngest son out for burgers. He's got a big rowing regatta race it's actually an erg race so he's going to go up against a few other people on the erg and they're going to pull the rope and make the fan spin until the clock runs out um, or until one of them pukes or faints um, dude those people that that hustle on that erg they are oh look at this i can use i can use the wireless mouse on my smooth travel pants. Why do you have travel pants on? Are you going somewhere? Yes, just like in the sound of music, um, I've got my travel clothes on so that we can escape over the mountains. No, they're just they're just comfortable as I'll get out. I wear these travel pants all the time. Um, shout out, uh, shout out, quick shout out to Christopher Plummer. Rest in peace. Um, I think I mentioned, yeah, I did mention that when I saw Sound of Music when I was a kid, I thought Christopher Plummer was like on the Crips doorstep. Uh, hey, who's that handsome cat? Look at that. A little book beat beverage episode. I'd watch that just because that guy's so dashingly good looking. 
Um, anyway, yeah, Christopher Plummer passed away, oddly enough, after right after I right after I talked about it on Book Beat Beverage. Or not Book Beat Beverage, the Muthanomics podcast, whatever this thing is I'm rambling into the microphone about. All right, now what was I going to Google? Um, well, I'll continue to recount the story. Um, so yeah, I took our son to the uh, restaurant last night to get burgers to fuel up for his rowing uh, erg race this morning. And this guy walked in, and he and he was he was a little... He was a little portly. He was on the portly side. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted Fat Will Smith, who had gone on a Carbapalooza, and he was obviously Photoshop. But I told someone, people were were replying to my story laughing, and I told one of the guys, I said, I never thought that a Fat Will Smith would make me laugh so much. It just tickled my funny bone. So this guy walks in, and he's definitely on the Fat Will Smith side. So he sits down. And he orders cheese-smothered deep-fried potato chips, which is kind of like a um, double negative. Kind of like potato chips are already fried, and then they're like, they were like encrusted and then deep-fried again. So he ordered cheese-smothered, like queso-smothered deep-fried potato chips. And then he ordered, he started the beers flowing. So he had two beers on the appetizer front end. And then they... Then the fries came out, and then they brought the burgers out, and he <laughs> this guy, this guy had the balls to sit there and stuff his face with deep-fried, cheese-covered, queso-smothered potato chips, double-fist two beers, Start mowing through his big steaming hot plate of french fries. And the dude had the balls to order a burger over greens sans bun. <laughs> Bro, at that point, I think the bun is just feeling neglected. You abandon the bun. It's like, it's like you went to adopt four carb children and uh, you left one of them behind. You were like, well, I'll take the three of you, but the fourth of you I just can't handle. So sorry, pal. You're, you're, you don't get to come along on this journey. The poor bun's probably in counseling this morning. Why did he abandon me? He took all the other carbs. He even took the problem child. He even took the deep fried cheese smothered potato chips. Why? God must hate me. Bun counseling. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That'd actually be a funny movie, I think. Do like restaurant food anthropomorphizing. <laughs> where <laughs> where food that's not ordered has to deal with rejection <laughs> my carb siblings were adopted last night and i was abandoned to the cold shelves to sit in this plastic bag for another day when will they pick me so anyway shout out to whoever that guy is and then and then he then he just to top it off and add insult to injury to that poor bun sitting in the back, he added a third beer on the tail end of that thing. And we left by the time he was waiting on that third beer. So I don't even know if he, you know, threw dessert on the end of that. If he threw dessert on the end of that thing, uh, that bun is definitely dealing, He definitely questioning 
his carb loaded existence this morning. Poor bun. I sympathize with the bun. Like I have, I have 99 point something percent sympathy for that abandoned bun. If that tells you how much disdain I have for these dogma adults that are pushing certain things and poo-pooing all over intellectual curiosity and free inquiry. Go pound sand. Thank you. Uh, forgot what, oh, I, I know what I was going to do. I remember what I was going to do. I was going to log in, log in to the email to retrieve a question. I actually haven't looked. I don't even know if I have any questions. I may not have any questions and then I'll feel abandoned and then the email will need to join the bun for counseling. That's how this is going to go. Click on the C panel, type in command F, start, start typing email. There we go. Email accounts. Kaboom. Check email. Logging me in. We'll go with round cube. I've always done round cube. I don't know why. Oh, man. What the? Oh, interesting. So I have six. This is weird. One, two, three. I have five new emails. Um, but it's mail delivery failed returning message to sender. Her? Well, um, apparently five people sent in some. All right. Well, after this podcast is over, I've got to go uh, get on the chat feature with my hosting company and find out what the scoove belongs happening here. Interessante, they say. Interessante. Um, all right, well, we'll straighten that out. Maybe I can retrieve those questions. Probably not. If it's returned to sender, it's probably gone into the abyss of... Um, I don't think there's like a email purgatory. I think it's just straight to hell. There's no second chance for those rejected emails. It's straight to judgment. Oh, boy. Um, so I did order... Uh, I think I mentioned last. I, mean, I didn't. I don't, maybe I did. I can't remember. I I can't keep all these conversations straight. Half the time they're conversations in my head, and half the time, I, actually, that's probably not an accurate data viz of what bounces around in my brain. I I don't even know what the percentage is. Part of the time, it's conversations in my head, thinking forward to what I'm going to talk about on either Book Be Beverage or the podcast. The other time, it's conversations with real people. Um, and then the other time, it's actual podcasting or book beat beveraging. So trying to remember which one's which is uh, something that I don't waste a lot of brain cells on. So there might be a lot of um, redundancy. But hey, at least I can sleep at night. Um, I mentioned... <laughs> so <laughs> after admitting that I have no clue where all these things reside, I, I, I confidently assert that I mentioned... Um, a butter, a hippie butter startup, Elliot Nut Butters. Um, and I was able to track down the small over-the-counter uh, stock for the company that acquired them. And from the time that I purchased them to this last week, I was up a cool 45% on the purchase. And I was like, sweet. 
Elliot Nut Butters is showing a lot of promise. These hippies, they make a good product. Just keep your keep your physical hippiness out of the product and we're all good. I'll 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 buy this stuff all day long. Well, and then come Wednesday, press release pops up in my stock ticking stock ticker tracking app that the company decided to sell the nut butter company and transition into the marijuana space. They wanted to become a pot distributor, a pot dispensary, medical cannabis dispensary. So I hit the sell button. Why? I thought you were a free market economist. I am, but I also also have uh, moral conundrums in my free market economics. And one of those moral conundrums is I don't want to potentially profit off of things that I have seen be more of a vice than a virtue. Is that clear enough? So in my experience, my 42 years, I want to say traversing the globe. I haven't really been traversing it. I've just been more circumventing the sun while remaining quite stationary on the globe. (laughs) You're so technical. Um, Hey, take it or leave it. I might be a little... uh, yeah, I might be on a little bit on the OCD scale, tiny bit. You know what? I'm I'm like at the bottom eighth of this this cup of coffee, and it's just starting to get lukewarm. So maybe I needed it more than I thought. Uh, but yeah, as I've as I've uh, circumnavigated the sun for forty two years, um, I have seen that. Alcohol and drugs are way more on the vice spectrum than they are on the virtue spectrum. So for that reason, um, I personally believe in my personal experience that alcohol and drugs are more of a vice than a virtue. Um, So therefore, I have no interest in trying to profit from them. And if you disagree with that statement, stop judging me. Why are you such a monster? Stop being a, a, stop being a bigot. Uh, See, the logic goes both ways. It's so easy. All you have to do is put in the, in my personal experience qualifier. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can talk about everything. So, um, and I don't say that as like a jaded get out of jail free card. It's just, I mean, the logic's the same. If you come to me with the same logic, we can talk about anything. Um, when you start coming to me with with double standard logic, no thanks, no thanks. And this is a deja vu moment again with the podcast. I probably made that comment 18 times now. So I don't really know what else I want to talk about. I got some more books. I, I ordered the second McEnroe biography. The first one covered from his birth to when uh, 2002, when he wrote the book and the second one, but seriously, um, I don't actually know when it came out, probably probably mid 2010s. And it's dealing with his life post retirement into being a, a, an announcer and a businessman and whatever else he's done. Uh, the first one laughed my head off. 25% of the time I laughed my head off. Uh, 25% of the time I found myself being absolutely repulsed by the guy and the rest of the time was just kind of an interesting trip down a memory lane. So that was fun. 
Um, I did find some really cool lamps at Goodwill. I went Goodwilling for the first time in forever. Um, and I wanted to find two lamps for our front room. And if you're going to go Goodwilling, you have to kind of be, in my opinion, in my personal experience, um, in my opinion, you have to be able to see the diamond in the rough, the gem among the junk. And so we went and I looked at the entire wall of lights, table lamps, and I was like, ugh, no wonder they're here. This is like the graveyard of bad design. That bun from the restaurant's going to be down here pretty soon, just sitting in a all moldy and gross, sitting in a bag. Abandoned buns, yellow, flash sale. I, I, my favorite part of Goodwill that I forgot about and thrift storing in general is the color-coded discount, and my daughter actually found a sweater. Um, it's amazing how much she knows her style. So I found the lamps. Um, 98% of them were just god-awful, and then there were these two gems that were up in the top left. Uh, and I'll post a picture on my Instagram if you want to go check it out. Um, navy blue base. Navy blue uh, shiny with rectangular square shades. And the only thing that was preventing them from being amazing was the faux wood 1980s base. Like the, they had a ring. So instead of just continuing this sleek, shiny navy blue down into the entire lamp, they decided to corrupt it with this faux wood ring around the, the platform where the lamp sits on the table. And I was like, ugh, puke, yak, yakety sacks, barf city. Um, it was gross. And, but the discerning design eye that I have, dun, dun, dun. Uh, I said, that's, that's the only reason these are still on the shelf is because that faux wood 80s base is ruining it. So you have to be able to slice and dice in your head and realize, okay, if I can get rid of that faux 80s base, um, it'll work. So my first thought was put some glossy, shiny white paint to cover it with some glossy white paint to continue the real glossy uh, navy blue theme, the texture, you know, we'll paint it white with really shiny white. So we started the, we got the base coat white down and I was like, whoa, no, that's not it. It looks like a navy sailor lamp now um way too stark of a contrast so we have pivoted to doing a, a glossy enamel black and it's looking really nice to quote cousin eddie get yourself something really nice uh that's what the lamps are right now they are really nice and they were 8.99 a pop i guarantee you those lamps if you went to uh a you know, even a even a moderately like a middle of the road design store, like a pottery barn, they'd probably be eighty bucks, hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks. And then if you went to more of a custom place, I mean, you you go with these like these like uh, small quantity, um, you know, design shops. Dude, their stuff is is ridiculously priced, and I don't mind. I mean, hey, free market economics for the win. Um, you know. Supply and demand curves, it makes a lot of sense. There's less supply, so the price is going to be higher. Uh, but I've, you know, there's there's table lamps that are four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars going once, going twice. Um, so back, back in the 80s, these were probably, you know, 70 to $120 lamps, and we got them for $8.99. One man's trash is another man's treasure. 
Um, why was I talking about goodwill? Goodwill. Come back to me, train of thought. Uh, so yeah, Goodwilling's fun. Oh, I, I like the, the price tag, 50% off if you get the right color. So I'm standing in the standing in the checkout line, and it's still socially distanced. It's like really is this piece of tape, this COVID knows not to go past this piece of tape, really, um, whatever. So I'm standing in line waiting, and my daughter says, hey, can I go look at clothes real quick? And I said, yeah, but you got to hurry up because we're three away from the cash register. I literally turned my head back towards the cash register and then when I turn back to my left, she's there with a sweater and jeans. And I was like, what? She's like, hey, dad, I really like these. And I was like, how'd you find them so fast? And she's like, I don't know. I just know what I'm looking for. And I was like, wow, I like this girl. Make decisions quickly. Um, and I said, well, check the color of the tags, because if we can get a 50% off price deal, we're going to take it. And she checked the sweater and it matched the yellow. So it was like looking at your clock when it says... Uh, 5.55 and you feel like coins and jackpot bells should be ringing down from the skies. It was like that. That, that, that. Those two things would just make, like if those two things happened, I think I would die a contented and happy man. When you look at your iPhone and it says 2.22, ding, 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 and coins start falling down, that would just be amazing. And if you're at the thrift store and you look at the price tag and then you go, your eyes go scanning towards the front of the store and you're looking over people and look, well, not for me, I'm six, seven. I don't have to look over anything, but you know, my daughter's not six, seven. So she's standing on her tiptoes and looking through stuff and trying to find the, the color coded, you know, jackpot rack. And when, when she, her eyes make connection and she sees that it's yellow and then she looks back at her tag on her sweater and sees that it's yellow. It's like confirming that she just has the winning lottery ticket and then ding, 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 and coins come raining down from the sky. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So why don't all of you uh, technophiles out there uh, figure out a way to create an app to make those two things happen? Because you'll make a gazillion dollars because it would just bring so much joy to people's lives. And I don't care. I don't, don't tell me it's impossible, okay? Don't sit there and tell me it can't be done. I want results, not excuses. So get on it. Get that app going. Figure out a way to get coins to just fall out of the sky. I don't care if it defies... The, the laws of physics and everything else. Just make it happen. I feel like that's how most um, entrepreneurial despots have run their company over the years. <laughs> Thomas Edison. I don't care if it's impossible. Just make it happen. Whoopsh, whoopsh. Um. So yeah, that's, yeah, so if you're in Silicon Valley right now and you're playing around with some, you know, the Facebook disruptor, stop wasting your time and uh, get on this time-based thrift store color-coded jackpot app. <laughs> All right, so we're at 43 minutes and uh, this thing might be going off the rails um, when I'm making unreasonable demands to Silicon Valley. Uh, the, the book that I think I'm most excited about reading is uh, the F Frederick Douglass biography that I ordered. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading that. I've read several quotes and excerpts by Frederick Doug Douglass over the years, but I have never actually read one of his writings from cover to cover. cover. So 
I did find a copy on thriftbooks.com, and I am going to be uh, starting to read that. I do need to get around to my Manly Monday, Manly Monday episodes on uh, Instagram and on brandonmute.com um, because I am reading a couple books that are just shining examples of manliness. And if there's one thing that our culture is in dire need of, it is some manly men. So I think that's about all I want to ramble about this morning. I'll try to figure out my email issue with the hosting place mail delivery failed. Um, See if we can figure that out and hopefully get back to some questions at some time in the future. Uh, Last Saturday of February, enjoy it. Hopefully you're not freezing too bad, depending on what part of the country you're in. And I will chat with you next Saturday, March 6th. Have a wonderful day. Bye.